1: Howdy, 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 howdy. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, Pride of Detroit on Twitter, Pride of Detroit on Facebook, Pride of Detroit on Spotify, question mark, podcast is, the PODcast is, that's us, the Pride of Detroit PODcast, POD standing for Pride of Detroit and the first three letters of podcast, hence the, hence the awkward name, hence the awkward introduction, by yours truly, the adequate host, at Christopher Fett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Joined, as always, by the managing editor, the fearless leader of Pride to Detroit, Jeremy Reisman at Detroit Online. How are you, Jeremy? I'm doing great. It's summer, baby. Are you melting?
2: A little bit. A little bit. Thankfully, Getting a little runny there? Different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get the third man in
1: here. He's back again. Ryan Matthews. Back
2: is the rock
1: guy. At Ryan underscore POD. How you doing, Ryan?
0: I'm back from the PN dub. I am well rested. I am ready to roll. You're well loaded
1: from what I understand, too. We'll get to that in a little bit. Um, You also missed our first ListCast,
0: so... Well, yeah, and I'm... Well, no, it doesn't suck to be me. It sucks to be you, because I'm going to take my vengeance out on both of you, because how dare you start ListCast without the originator, the creator, the founder of ListCast.
1: Okay, speak clearly there. All right, let's. We'll, we'll get to all that in a second. We're yeah, trying I, to like.
0: Really. I'm the. Mouth I want to dive. I want. What? I'm the mouth with the clout.
1: Okay, let's dive right into it though. Listcast for edge rushers is on this podcast today. But first, our wayback machine is starting to break down, so really quickly we're going to jump into this thing and get you to probably I think one of the most significant one of the more significant parts of the 2018 season, which was uh, the Seattle game. And everything that came with it. So let's, uh, let's take a plunge. There's not a lot of Lions news today. So we're just going to go straight into Wayback Machine. You guys ready? Do it. Buckle up. Doo-doo, doo-doo-doo, 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 what is this now? This, this is eight. the end of October. This is yep. the end of October, week eight against the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle 28, Lions 14. And uh, just as the Lions hit 500. Here comes a pretty hearty collapse at home, no less, against the Seahawks team, which, I mean, at that time, these two teams were almost mirror images in themselves. The Seattle would go on to be like 10 and six. We have that in our memory now, but they were both coming in, I believe, 500 with this game.
3: hmm. Three and three each.
2: hmm.
1: And uh, I don't know. I don't think anyone was thinking too hot about the Seahawks this year. Uh, and yeah, we'll talk about the implications of this game itself because this is where I think the wheels started to fall off for Detroit. Thanks to a 20, thanks to a second quarter that saw 21 unanswered points from the Seattle Seahawks and then lifelessness throughout the rest of the game. Uh, and then there was just you know, trade kind of the, the days around the Seahawks game also colored this game. So, Jeremy, why don't you set the table for us? What was your big Takeaway from this, going back and looking at it.
3: Well, I mean, as as we were kind of talking about last week, optimism was, was at its high. We're, we're just coming off the Snacks trade too, so this is his first game with the Lions. And a lot of people say that that Dolphins game was the high point of the season. I think the high point of the season was probably at, towards the end of the first quarter of this game because the Lions come out, they stop the Seahawks, force a punt, they come out, they immediately score a touchdown. They're up seven 0 against. A pretty good Seahawks team at home, you know, on the verge of four and three, keeping pace with the NFC North, a game behind, and then just everything goes off the rails. Everything goes off the rails. Um, the Seattle scores, and then Amir Abdullah immediately fumbles that that kick return. Seattle scored Mm -hmm. again, suddenly just just like that. It goes from 7-0 to 14-0.
1: Yeah. Three second quarters, Russell Wilson throws three touchdown passes, like just and immediately annihilates the Lions going towards the locker room at the at the end of the half. Like, and then comes back, uh, you know, listless third quarter, third quarter, as we've come to call it for 2018. This is this is an academic term. (laughs) Copyright, please do not steal. And then, then you get to the fourth quarter. The Seahawks put up another touchdown. The Lions kind of listlessly get a touchdown in 19 yards to Marvin Jones from Stafford, and that's pretty much the end of the game. No, yeah. no more fight is put up. It just, you just let it happen.
3: Well, I mean, there, there's a couple things. Like As we get towards the end of the, the game, there's a whole Matthew Stafford narrative that developed, but to me, the game was essentially over by the end of the third quarter. I would say by well, the end of halftime. Maybe even then. I, I think the line still had a fighting chance. You know, They got the ball to start the second half, only down two scores. We, we've seen them certainly come back before that, and it looked like maybe they were going to Mount to come back. But going back to, to the first half, I think a lot of the warning signs that we mentioned last week, you know that, well, using hindsight, we knew that the, the Dolphins were a horrible run defense. So mm-hmm. Seattle was probably this team's biggest test defensively to date, and we saw what happened with the running game. 13 rushes, 34 yards, nothing. And we talked about how letting Brock Osweiler kind of tear apart the Lions' defense, even though it was a pretty good overall day for the Lions. Maybe that was a warning sign. Russell Wilson was nearly perfect, just about as close as you can get to perfect on this day. He literally had a perfect pass rating, 158.3. He only threw the ball 17 times, but he threw for 250 yards. Um, Hmm. That's a horrible yards per attempt average. The Lions' secondary was absolutely exposed. Tabor. You know, if, if you look at like the PFF grades, Tavon Wilson, Nevin Lawson, Tease Tabor all had a grade of 50 or under, um, bottom five on the team. Um, this is where defensively we saw that while they were starting to get better up front with Snacks, and he was certainly a, a, a game changer, even in this game, um, you could tell when he was in there and when he wasn't out there, but the back end was really starting to struggle and it was going to hurt this team. You, you could tell it was going to hurt, hurt this team down the stretch.
1: Ryan, what were your thoughts from this game?
3: Oh yeah, I mean it was super exciting to see
0: Snacks out there and like Jeremy just alluded to, he had a huge impact on this game. Seven tackles, I think he had two tackles for a loss. Um one of the big points of emphasis, I think even the broadcast pointed out was how much an how much of an impact Snacks was having on the game. There were multiple times when I think the you know the camera the camera crew and the and the broadcast team would, you know, highlight a play that Snacks was taking on like two defenders at one time and like also like still having like one arm available to make a tackle. And it it was pretty clear like even from from this game that Snacks was going to have a, you know, a big impact on this on this run defense moving forward, but I don't know. Like Jeremy hit on the points. Uh, Russell Wilson was 14 of 17, didn't have to do a whole lot, but was absolutely perfect all day.
3: And I like, think part of the frustration yeah. too was like the Lions defenders were a lot of times in position They're to make a play. Good position. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But T's Tabor gave up a touchdown that he kind of like tripped on. Um, we, we know what happens when Nevin Lawson is in tight coverage and it's never anything good for the defense. Uh, but yeah, I, it was just, it was frustrating because Russell Wilson was at his best. But at the same time, the Lions' secondary was just filled with guys who don't make plays. And hopefully that's something that changes this year. But, um, it's something that definitely affected this game and, and a lot more games uh in the 2018 yeah. season,
0: which was we clearly, talked about. Oh yeah. Go uh, on. I was going to say, which was clearly a point of emphasis in the off season too, because you know, you had the lions really hammer the defensive backfield, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know Tracy Walker's definitely going to fill into a bigger role now. Um, You know, Coleman, uh, Rashawn Melvin, the, the secondary has really gone quite the overhaul. Hopefully we're not worried about Darius Slay and whether or not he's going to be playing, but um Real quick, Chris. Before you get to your point, the, the the big downer from this game, though, was not only you know Stafford really looked shaky a lot of the game. They they threw the ball a bunch. I, I'm not sure necessarily that that was going to be their plan of attack, but uh, the running game was non-existent. And coming from coming off the Miami game to this game, it was. It was literally a wet fart. It was all the air coming out of the balloon. It was a huge bummer. so I,
1: I, we talked about this on past uh wayback machines, but we did come into the year thinking that the secondary was a major strength for the Lions. We thought it would be like one of the best in the league. and I think like we had seen some cracks early on in the season, but we were like, oh no, it's fine, you know, because the lions were beating. The Dolphins, even though they were getting thrown on pretty well, and this showed that, like, yeah, no, those those concerns were legitimate. There is absolutely limits to this, and I feel like the book was like the book in, the book on Nevin Lawson got written in this game, pretty much. Like as Jeremy would talk about, like this was kind of the end for Nevin Lawson, more or less. Yeah, uh, and but think- like even some of the top corners. I mean, even some of the top top defensive backs for the Lions just weren't performing well this game.
3: Yeah, um, I mean. It was it was kind of an up and down day for Darius Slay. I, I think Russell Wilson smartly didn't really target him all that much. But but it really tested the team's depth. And we we saw it kind of down the entire stretch. You know, guys like Craven LeBlanc was getting some playing time at, at this point. Deshaun Shedd, which was kind of a, a highly praised free agent move, didn't really turn out all that well. And and like, we're kind of like some people are kind of falling into love again with with T's Tabor. Um, this year, I think a lot of people came into 2018 thinking, All right, he's gonna get settled in second year, you know, is where corners start to show some improvement. We didn't get to see it at all at this point in the season, we really don't get to see it at any point in 2018. Um, so I mean, depth is always gonna be te- tested at every single level. And at this point, the lines are are really getting tested on the outside edges and, and really not standing up to, to the test. And it it started, you know, I I think maybe this game proved as a, as a blueprint for some offenses going forward. Of just like, Hey, don't just don't worry about Darius Slay's guy. Lines don't have a lot, much else going for them in in the secondary. And that includes, you know, Glover Quinn, who's, who's playing at probably his worst in his career at this point in his career. And, um, yeah, I, I, the, the only really other narrative that I think starts with this game is the, the Matthew Stafford collapses because this game was the beginning of a stretch of games in which Stafford made some really bad fourth quarter mistakes that kind of cost them, uh, that chance at the, the comebacks that he's become so synonymous with. Um, he, he, there was an unforced fumble in the fourth quarter and then kind of the last ditch effort, the Lions three or four minutes left in the game, down two scores, they're in the red zone, first down, throws an ill-advised pass, interception on, on about the two-yard line, ends any sort of hope of, of a comeback, Um, and and that's when the defense was finally giving them some chances, you know, because Snacks was in there, they were be able to stop the Seahawks defensively Um, when when they're trying to run out the clock, Lions run defense is looking a little bit better, gives the offense some opportunities, and, and Matthew Stafford squanders them, and I think this is kind of the start of where we are today, where fans are kind of split on Matthew Stafford again. I, I feel like coming out of 2017, people are like, all right, Matthew Stafford's a franchise quarterback. There's no denying it now. I know it doesn't even have the playoff wins, but it's coming off two fantastic years. 2018 made a lot of mistakes, and I think this was one of the more highlighted ones of the entire season, but this is the beginning of a stretch where he does it in a couple games. Um, I think what do we got? Vikings and Bears coming up.
2: Yeah.
3: Uh, yeah, some some ugly games coming up for Matthew Stafford and and this was the beginning of it.
1: Well, we are going to kind of extradite and kind of speed up or maybe even just be done with Wayback Machine just because once again we started this a little too late in the season. I think next year we are going to uh, shorten this down to maybe like three games a stretch for Wayback and confine it to a month in the offseason. Because okay. it has gotten a little too big, but I would uh I would be I would be remiss before we get out of the Wayback Machine and get on to some other topics before we break. probably the true POD cast here. Do do you want to talk about the aftermath of the game? Because that's that's where I'm going. The one one other note I have from here, like I'm totally with you on Stafford. I could add a lot more, but people are just going to think I'm hot taking or whatever. So, I mean, that's fine. I am, but Stafford's kind of almost equal for comebacks and now collapses, but hey, you know what? You keep doing you and hating me. But all I can say is that big news came in the aftermath where, so this was. Excuse me, while I have to look at my calendar. This was on the twenty eighth, and uh, Golden Tate. Forgive me, was traded later. on two days later on the thirtieth. Mm-hmm. And to me, that was the Lions saying, "Look, we may be only three and four, but we're we're kind we're not quite throwing in the towel, but we're kind of throwing in the towel." Like without without Golden Tate, the offense had nothing. Like I'm sorry. Like, there were, there were arguments to be made about what you were going to get long haul for Golden Tate. It was clear they weren't going to try to deal with his contract at all now that we look back at it. But at the same time, like, we, we've been talking, we talked for so many of uh, the first, I would say, six games here about how critical Golden Tate was to this offense and the chemistry he had built with Matthew Stafford to make the kind of plays that Stafford really leaned on. Like, when Stafford gets a good connection with his, with his wide receiver, you do see good stuff. That's what made him so special in 2016 with Anquan Bolden, and he was getting to those levels with Golden Tate. And the Lions just gave him away to Philadelphia, and that was that. Uh, you still had Marvin Jones. Did Marvin Jones go on an injured list here? Forgive me. I'm yeah. I'm, yeah he, in, he went in on an injury. Weeks
3: he'll, he'll get injured. Yeah.
1: In a couple of weeks, Marvin Jones will get injured. That leaves us down to to uh, Kenny Galladay, who is great, but absolutely not a number one receiving threat. At this point in his career, by any stretch of the imagination, and leaves the Lions' passing offense very limited. Carry on Johnson, you know, starting to become a legit threat on the ground, but really not too much support either for him, you know, he's a rookie, and not too much support from the lo- from the offensive line to really get going. So getting rid of Golden Tate really hobbled this Lions
0: offense. Not, not only did it hobble the offense, I I I think I I think I take a little bit of umbrage with the idea that the lions were necessarily waving the white flag. And I know that Jeremy was a big, he was a big proponent of the Lions saying like, you know, uh, with this move, when they traded golden Tate that that was them kind of just like folding in the season. On the other hand, look at what Marvin Jones did this game. Like he caught two touchdown passes. He had 117 yards on that final drive. He had a 56 yard pass interference penalty. That was called against him like Marvin Jones is without a doubt when he's healthy, he is a number one wide receiver in the NFL. Now, like is, is Golden Tate a huge component of the offense? Absolutely. And the lions didn't really have a security blanket. However, it looked like the lions were slowly transitioning to this offense that was going to be headed up by carry Johnson and, and, and the running game. So that's why, you know, in the moment, the lions had traded for Damon Harrison uh, things were progressing better in terms of the the, the front seven. It looked like they were going to be better equipped to handle the run. Um, and at the time, I think a lot of us thought that you know what, while the defensive backfield has struggled, um maybe with how well the front seven is playing, maybe that can help prop up the the back end of this defense. And that just didn't happen to be the case. Um, I, do I think that it was the right move to the Lions to trade Golden Tate? Absolutely. Um, this team, this team really wasn't going to go very far with or without Golden Tate, and they ended up getting you know um, good compensation for him for you know Philadelphia who needed a rental. But I I didn't think that the Lions were necessarily saying like you know what the season's over we lost to Seattle it was a deflating loss but I didn't
3: think that they were necessarily throwing in the towel. This trade still bothers me. I'm. I'm just gonna say it. It still bothers me. I don't like it. Uh, I. I understand you're. You're getting a third round pick for for losing only eight games or nine games of of, of a guy, and and that alone is is good value. But <clears throat> I. I absolutely think it was throwing in the towel. I. I whether it was consciously or unconsciously, I, I know the lines were kind of pitching like this is this is just our vote of confidence of everyone else in that wide receiver room. But like Brandon Powell, really, Andy Jones, are really. Those are the guys that you're you're confident can just pick up the slack. Where we're an all-pro, well, not not technically an all-pro, but maybe someone who should have been considered as an all-pro during his his Lions' reign. Uh, that kind a, of play you got from Golden Tate, no, isn't it? What's that? that?
0: That that's a spin from the coaching staff. Oh from, yeah, absolutely. You know that's that's from the top down saying like, oh, we got confidence in our guys. But like, don't you think that the Lions' offense was just shifting more towards a run game? So.
1: It yeah, was
3: trying, right? but I mean, you, all you have to do is look at this game 2.6 right. yards per carry. Oh, no, I, hey. It's not something they were capable of doing yet.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, Matthew Stafford had one of his worst games, I think. He the did, NFL but it, game was really bad. And, I, and might I add real quick that the interception that was thrown against at, at the very last possession was Justin Coleman. So all of the Lions' problems have been fixed <laughs> because the Lions <laughs> had that player on their team. So, like, Super Bowl 2020.
3: Here's my concern, though. And and it was my concern at the time. Still, is my concern. They were one game out of first place after this game. The Bears were back in the lead with four a four and three record. The Vikings were four three and one. The Packers were three three and one. Lions are three and four. This was an extremely competitive division. And yes, using hindsight, we now realize the Bears were probably a better team than the record indicated, and maybe the Lions never catch them. But at the time, this was still a team that was very much in the hunt. They they hadn't even played. Have they played anyone in the division at this point? They played the Packers once and they won. Yeah. So they had five division games remaining, and they're a game out of first place. And yeah. you trade your—I I would say your
2: best offensive player at this point, literally your best offensive player. Yeah, I, I mean, maybe I—I not—I can't. Maybe I can't say
0: the best offensive player, but I can say um, the most reliable player. You know what I mean? Because like Marvin yeah. Jones can be really hit. Like he can be hit or miss sometimes. Carry uh, on Johnson, he's had what a couple of good games, you know. And yep. by I mean he had the Patriots game, he had the Dolphins game. But Golden Tate at this point, like he is for the past like three seasons, he's been like your most
3: reliable player. And he's he's a chain mover and a playmaker. Like those things are are extremely important, and they've been extremely important in Detroit. And I mean, we just saw how important that it was because when he was gone, they weren't moving the chains, they weren't making plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, let's step out of the machine.
1: Let's reset here. We got a few minutes where we have to go to break. Pride to Detroit, PODcast. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. Uh, I'm assuming you already know that if you're listening, but maybe you're not. Maybe you're streaming. If so, welcome.
0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to our little hellhole. Maybe you're listening Uh, in uh, your friend's Dodge, Ram, Motor Trend Truck of the Year.
1: This is car talk. (laughs) This gotta, is car talk. Are we getting an we early edition of car talk?
0: What was that? I don't
2: know.
1: <laughs> we might. Um, <laughs> I I sent. So we have If in case you were listening somewhere else in the Vox media podcast network and heard our ads. Uh, welcome. welcome. Yeah. So <laughs> I we got rave reviews on those, by the way. John Gennaro, who's like the. Uh, our point man for the team for the team brand podcast executive producer we sent him that number two one where we're just all riffing on like smash mouth song titles. And he said straight up, thanks. I hate this.
0: <laughs> like he was like, thanks. I hate this, but I think I'm supposed to. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yes, you are. That's yeah, right. You are. supposed to." <laughs> just,
3: so if you haven't heard it yet, jump over to like the Detroit bad boys or winging it in Motown podcast, and maybe you'll hear it. It's, it'll, it's a hundred percent worth your time. And plus you should yeah. be listening
0: to those people anyways. True. Yeah. 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 yeah we,
1: I keep saying each offseason, hey, let's have those guys on, and then each offseason we just get drunk instead and don't do anything important.
0: Or fall behind in Wayback Machine. Or fall
1: back behind in Wayback Machine in the push-shove of, hey, should we do Wayback Machine or should we do more draft and free agency coverage? And free agency and draft coverage always wins. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Speaking of uh, Loaded, how, how are you doing right now, Ryan? I see you've spelled your name wrong in our, uh, in our little conference call.
0: Nope, that Q is an A.
1: <laughs> How did you even do that?
0: Uh, very carefully.
1: Thank you. How many Red Bull and vodkas
3: have you had?
0: I had lots of Red Bull. I, I.
3: And you, may have, you may have slipped some vodka in there.
0: No, I not. To oh. My knowledge.
3: Oh, interesting.
0: Oh, so you're I just like
1: really jazzed up.
0: I am loaded up on sun. It is very toasty out. It's we're not going
1: to be. There, we're, we're not, not going to be the sports like, podcast show that. Com- I'm sorry. We're not going to be the sports podcast show that complains about winter. I mean,
2: weather.
0: Um, I feel like that's really on brand for us. Can we talk about like the fallout from this game? For
2: Did we thing. already?
0: <laughs> no, I feel what? like. doesn't doesn't chris always ask the question about like all right so like what about this game like informed us of the season moving forward
1: i think i think we already hit upon that it's like the season was over after this point we just didn't (laughs) know it yet
0: all right sure fair enough
1: (laughs) the season really was like between the one-two punch of this game and golden Tate getting trade away
3: the season was over we just didn't know it yet (laughs) i mean but well at the same time fans fans (laughs) certainly felt it right like they absolutely like no that, that that golden train absolutely trade like, sent it. Yeah. yeah, it
1: was such like, especially after you went out and got snacks and suddenly it's like suddenly we're just throwing it into reverse. We're doing like 75 down the hot down uh, set. We're doing like 80 miles an hour down I-75 and all of a sudden like at top speed suddenly like slamming the brakes and throwing it
3: into reverse all in the span of one second. And yeah. I, I I think that's why it was so hard for me to come to terms with it and still kind of is because like. I don't know trading for snacks and I realized he had 2 years remaining on his contract as we all know and maybe those we never see those 2 years or whatever depending on what happens in the next couple months but you're trading for like a 30-year-old guy that's that's not really a long-term move that feels like a yeah, short-term now win now move and then the next following week you do oh but let's let's talk about our future then we lost one yeah. game let's talk about our future
1: and now we're getting into holdouts now because Like, isn't that kind of spastic, do you feel like? I I feel like it's a bit of a spaz move that the Lions did there and still are doing. Like, it's one thing to then say, all right, we're going to go get snacks. We're going to go get Damon Harrison. Oh, wait, hold a second. No, 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 no. Turn around. Let's go get rid of Golden Tate. We don't need him anymore. No, no. And then, you know, we get to the off scenes like, oh, 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 we have to like extend Damon Harrison. Oh, 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 um, no. Let's, no, 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 monsieur, no. Like it's I mean, it's it's we'll b- it's whiplash, man. I it think for that's fans, really, it.
3: Absolutely is. Yeah.
1: Like I just feel like the messages of the organiz- organization have sent out between all this, and we have to throw Darius Slay's contract into the mix now too. Like it just feels like whiplash. This game started whiplash for me. It's like who who is really who's who's holding the levers here? Because I I want to get off Mr. Bones' wild ride. I want some consistency here. Is this team competing or is it not?
3: Like please just. Get get a, get a philosophy in mind.
2: Yeah. I, I,
3: I mean, I just, I don't know what was going through their heads at this point. I would really, I would have loved to be in a meeting to see what, what they were thinking, what what they were thinking with this golden Tate trade, whether they were really thinking they could weather the storm offensively. Um, maybe they were looking at the schedule and being like, well, you know, you know, we finished with like Buffalo and Arizona and a bunch of crappy teams, but like, You still got to play Minnesota's defense twice. You still got to play Chicago's defense twice. Like, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you castrating yourselves before the meat of your (laughs) schedule? What are you doing?
1: Castrating. It's, it's a cat. So technically it's neutering.
3: Thank you. Thank you. I didn't know you were a zoologist.
1: Veterinarian. How dare you? (laughs) All right, let's take a break here. On the other side, ListCast is back. This is Ryan's first ListCast. We're going to talk about this here with him. Uh, this is uh, technically our second. Go back, listen to the last episode we did, Mansour Shaheen. Thank you to him for filling in for, for Ryan and his escapades. On the other side, we're also going to talk about Ryan's adventures in the Pacific Northwest. I feel like that's something we didn't get into, but we're way late for the break. So stick around. We're going to be right back here on the Pride of Detroit Cast. More Alliance talk coming in your ears. PODcast, prideofdetroit.com, prideofdetroit on Twitter, prideofdetroit on Facebook. Podcast is on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. And uh, maybe some other platforms I don't know about. The pirate platforms, who knows? Maybe it's floating around on the dark web. That's where this podcast really belongs, is the dark web. The dark web. Do you think people actually know what the dark web is? Like, I see ads for it all, all now, and it's just such the most insane word to hear. Like we all grew up with the internet.
3: I think nothing no dark one's gonna, gonna bite just, on this. dark was just a catch all term for old people that are still scared of the internet and like still <laughs> won't put their full name out there.
1: Still scared of this podcast too. Granted how I see some people talking about me. <laughs> uh before we get into listcast here, first off Ryan, um how was your trip up to the northwest buddy?
0: I almost didn't come back.
1: You liked it that much, huh? Or were you just that drunk?
0: Um I don't drink. Are um, you I, that high I do not participate in that either, but uh i all right, enjoyed teacher. it so much that I really looked into um flights bringing me back at a later date. However, the cost of living in Seattle is oh yeah, dumb and <laughs> uh just not viable at all
1: trust me like I I, l- like I I live in l i I live in l a and yet to go up farther north along the Pacific coast makes it makes LA look cheap. Mm-hmm, yeah. it makes the valley, I should say, it makes the valley look cheap. I'm trying to move up to the San Fernando Valley. LA yeah. itself is starting to get weird.
0: I mean, I, I I literally couldn't go in a restaurant without walking out with a like a thirty five dollar tab. And in terms of like having like food and like a, a glass of wine or something like that, like there was no way I could walk. Like every meal was like a baseline, like twenty bucks. Like that's what it's going to cost to eat here. And mm-hmm. that's. That's just what it is. So, um, But other than that, I mean, like it was absolutely, I mean, I was literally, I was on my friend's couch the night before staring at my phone like, you know what? It's only gonna cost me $77 if I change my flight from tomorrow to July 3rd and maybe I might do it. And I sat there for like five minutes staring at it and like (laughs) contemplating my my bank account. But um, it was absolutely beautiful out there. Like if you have not gone out to the, to the Dub, Pacific Northwest, I highly recommend it because it yeah. is cool.
1: well, Yeah, I lived, I lived two years over the border in uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. My sister lives right now in Tacoma with her uh, husband in the Army. And, I mean, man, they're, they're moving out to Georgia here, to Augusta, in, in the fall. And I really need to try to go see them before it's all said and done. But the real question is, when are you going to come back out west so we can go to Vegas?
0: Um, whenever you want, because while I'm out, I do not want to be here. Uh, (laughs) related though, real quick, uh, on Sunday last week, there was a brunch event that was at CenturyLink and I'll tell you what, like being inside CenturyLink and Jeremy, you've been there, right? I have. Unfortunately, I know. I I don't don't
3: like to be reminded of it, but yes.
0: (laughs) But, um, so here's the thing. Uh, they play soccer games in there. Mm-hmm. yep the sounders uh, yep yeah and the field was not painted however being inside the stadium and even with one of one of my friends uh who was in there you know she she commented and she goes it seems like it's really small in here like it doesn't seem like it like there's a lot of people that like fit in here and i think like her point of reference is like being inside ford field where you know it's completely enclosed but you know it has both ends to the stadium that aren't open like it is uh mm-hmm. in link but uh kind of looking around, it did get the sense that it was kind of very tight, um, but it did seem like they could probably pack a whole lot of people in there. I mean, I know they have a reputation of being, you know, one of the loudest, you know, stadiums in the entire NFL. So I just wanted to get your perspective on being there when it's, you know, fully packed on a, you know, yeah. time game.
3: I guess it's kind of hard to tell just because there are so many people there packed in side to side, the general size of it. But yeah, it it's louder than I've ever heard at Ford Field, if I'm being completely honest.
1: Ooh. All right, we've wasted enough time here. Let's get on to list casts. Let me put yep. in the music right here.
2: One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, one. All
1: right, let's start our list cast. <laughs> All right. Well, again, if you want to go back, listen to last week, Mansour Shaheen uh, filled in for Ryan. We did our tight ends. And this week, we have ex- expanded it. You know, we we decided, like, how can we, how can we, like, beef up. Let's we're this week we're doing edge rushers, and this week is part of the expanded new format of Listcast. And I've I've already gotten some great feedback on that, which is great. People have stopped sending me death threats and they're actually like happy with the Listcast. So that's wonderful. So what we've done this time is we have now put in voting out for the entire Pride of Detroit writing staff. Everyone who's at Pride of So let's see all the names on here. We've got Jeremy, Jerry Mallory. John Whitaker, Levy blue. Who's one of our moderators. Uh, I know he doesn't, I mean, he's, he's, he's published. Some articles he's written, a, maybe, he's yeah, written right? a couple things. Yep. Yep. Mansur Shaheen, Hamza Bakush, Mike Payton, Justin S- Simon, uh, myself, Ryan. I don't think Kelly Rowe got on and this, this time, but we'll nope. uh, harass her to, to give her picks next time. Yep. Mark-
3: ten, <laughs> 10 total people.
1: Ten total people have all now chimed in. No Alex, but that's to be expected. Alex is being <laughs> a just just a, a fool. No Andrew Cotto either.
2: I saw Alex in the Pacific Northwest.
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> whatever.
0: <laughs>
2: we so anyway the stop
1: saying his name.
2: Let's just—he's oh, yeah, banished yeah,
3: from yeah. this podcast.
1: Punished, punished contributor number four. <laughs>
0: Perfect. But, say, it's like Beetlejuice. Don't say his name a third time or else he's going to appear.
1: He'll show up once a year for, yeah, yeah. He'll he'll show up three months later for his one once a year show. Anyway, all of them have contributed. We've all taken each, where you rank a guy is now inverse to points. So if you rank a guy number one, that's 10 points. If he's 10, it's one, so on and so forth. We tally up whoever has the points. It's created some weirdness to our list, but we're going to run down them right now. And each of us, before we get to it, each of us now have one guy we can talk about that didn't make the list, but we want to stump for anyway. Now, since we're doing edge rushers, I mean we're doing best edge here, top ten. It's a little weird because holy crap, <laughs> there's a lot of different guys. It's not like a tight ends position because you've got defensive ends for three, four defensive ends for for four, three. Some you know tackles that some play, times play outside uh, linebackers on the on the exterior like there's a lot of guys who can go into this and it's created some weirdness. So uh, Jeremy, let's start with you. Who is your one guy you want to stump for that didn't make this list that you want to give an honorable mention to? Yeah, it, it's and say where I, he was on your list because like sometimes you can put a guy up as high as 2 and they won't make it.
3: Yeah, my to be fair, my guy I had 10 and the reason I struggled with with where to put him in is because him and his teammate. His teammate does end up making the list. Spoiler, I won't say who it is, but you'll probably know. Uh, Everson Griffin is the guy that I had on my list that didn't quite make the list. I think he ended up 15th in, in voting. There were a couple other votes for him as well, but to me, Everson Griffin is just a monster. And if If you're not aware of him as a Lions fan, I don't know what you've been paying attention to because the guy has just been a a terror for Matthew Stafford five and a half sacks last year. Obviously he had the the mental health issue that held him out and probably limited his uh, effectiveness when he was out there. But before that 13 sacks in 2017, 12 in 2014, 10 and a half in 2015. um, The guy is just so good. And and he is up there in age. He's 31 now, but he's still playing at a really, really good level. And um, hopefully, you know, just personally speaking, hopefully his, his mental demons, uh, Will be on the wayside in 2019 and kind of return to the exciting form that he is. Obviously, as a Lions fan, you're hoping he's not too good, but uh, Everson Griffin is a guy that absolutely deserves to be in this conversation. I'm a little disappointed he didn't make it. All right, my guy, and I've got to give this out to to him. I had
1: him up as far as number two, which just shows how bloody this uh, these rankings were. And I'm pro- you know, what? I'm kind of glad this isn't the old format because people would be like, "What the hell are you doing, putting him at number two? Uh, Arizona Cardinals, Chandler Jones. I had him up that high, and he's completely off the list altogether.
3: You're, you were the only one that voted for him. I know I was. Oh, I, no, I I'm like sorry. Him. That's not true. There was there was one other one. Mike Payton had him nine. Ooh. Um, I might have to rethink this then. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, you, have, you I, have, I mean, have a good case.
1: No, I have a good case. He's an outside linebacker, so he's just not going to look as, like, sexy next to all these defensive ends. But he's been incredibly productive. He's now paired up with, with Ter- Terrell Suggs. Like, I, I know he's 29, he's going to be 30 here in November. And, you know, guys fall off a cliff, but I think he's got a really good shot, one more hurrah in him. And I think he was vastly underrated in 2018, mostly because the Cardinals were absolute basura. And just, you, you, go, you go look back and it's like, man, this guy's done a lot with his career. And I still think he's got time to keep going for it. And again, he's going to be having, you know, Suggs out there. And I, I like him. I, I think that the Cardinals can be sneaky. And all I can say is Lions fans watch out on that first, on that first week, we might see Chandler Jones name called for a sack against Matt Stafford. If you're not careful. Uh, also, he par- I'm just posted this, to the slack for you guys. He also did the Step Brothers pose with Terrell Suggs. <laughs> From, uh, <laughs> you know, John C. Riley and, um, yeah. Will and Will Ferrell? Yeah. That, that's bonus points. Ryan, who's the guy who was on your list but got snubbed?
2: Um,
3: I think Trey Flowers was snubbed. He was 11th. Spoiler alert. Did not, just barely miss the cut. Hey, and you on my list. The interesting thing about it is he made seven of the ten lists, but most people had him eight, nine, or ten. So uh, he got bumped off by a couple of people who had some higher votes with him. Yeah. And then I
0: also had, uh, I had D Ford on my list, who, I mean, if we're being honest, he, yeah, I mean, maybe the best pure pass rusher in the entire league, but not on our list for some reason.
2: So,
1: yeah, there's just, you're going to have weird artifacts like that, but that's what makes this game fun. So let's get to the actual list itself since we're kind of running low on time. Number 10, uh, and I'll let each, I'll, we'll rotate. Jeremy, you give like a minute on like a guy here. Ryan, you do a minute on a guy, and then I'll do a minute or so or whatever. We should have planned this out probably before jumping in. But number 10, Cameron Jordan.
3: Yeah, uh, I I'm, don't quite remember if he made my list. I think he yeah, he, was, he was my number nine. So um, definitely deserving of the conversation. Two straight years of at least 12 sacks. Um, one of the things that, that we're probably not going to appreciate as much for some of these guys is their ability to, to run defend. And uh, Cameron Jordan was fifth in PFF grades in terms of run defense. So um, he's a guy that can definitely do that and probably underappreciated in general. Um, age 29, so still has a couple more efficient years uh, ahead of him, but he's been with the Saints forever. He's been efficient forever. Uh, definitely deserves to be on this list.
2: All right, number nine, Daniel Hunter. Daniel. Daniel. Is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. The captain and Daniel. What do you have to say about Hunter?
1: <laughs> 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 I can't I, say that.
0: I, I, I mean, I, I didn't have Daniel Hunter on my list. I fantastic player. Um, I mean, he's in
1: the division. So
0: yeah, may, maybe a little bit underrated. Uh, he, he did put up big numbers, big gaudy numbers. The numbers you like to see Pro 15,
1: last back. year, man.
0: Yeah. 49 hurries in, in terms of edge defenders. He was third in, in, in hurries. Uh, you know, a guy who is a, is a pretty good pass rusher, but I just, the reason he didn't make my list necessarily, though, is uh, his game, I, I don't think is nearly as well-rounded and uh, as consistent as you'd like it to be. You know, 15 sacks is nice, but I think that as part of Pride of Detroit, I think we're more in the camp of like, hey, it's more important to, you know, put pressure on the quarterback on every snap than it is to get to him 15 times over the course of a season.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, number eight, Jadeveon Clowney. I don't think I've ever seen a player who came out of college with more hype than Clowney, who has had such a rocky road before him. Maybe be a- Mario
2: Williams. Sorry, who? Maybe Mario Williams.
0: Yeah. Williams.
1: Yeah. Maybe Williams, but like, Another I mean, titan. Clowney, yeah. Clowney, like, man, this guy was going to be a Superman out of South Carolina and just injuries and everything else kind of hobbled him. But I mean, you see flashes every now and then. And I think, what is this now? Like this, this is his like fifth season in the six. league. He's going to be six. in six. Like this is, this is make or break time. And I think there are a lot of believers in the POD staff. Uh, I believe Clowney was up pretty high on some of the, some of the lists here. <laughs>
3: that someone, had. Yeah, someone had him second. Uh, I, I mean, this I think that was to Ryan? me, this to me is someone riding no, his, his rep his, Hamza actually had him second. To me, this is a guy just writing his college reputation right now. The guy hasn't had a 10 sec season ever in his career. And I know sacks aren't everything. I know the guy's still 26, so he's still capable of, of improving and, and capable of kind of putting those injury demons behind him. And I know he's very talented dude, and he's, he's probably capable of all this stuff, but he hasn't done it yet at a professional level. He hasn't performed at a Pro Bowl level. He hasn't performed at an All-Pro level. Nevertheless, eighth on our list. <laughs> Not on my list. Okay. Well,
1: we have a tie for number six. 6-7 six, is now tied. We have a tie. So that goes to Joey Bosa and Calais Campbell.
2: Well, uh, You got any
1: notes on these, Ryan?
0: I mean, I could talk about Calais Campbell. Yeah, let's I talk about
1: Calais, and then Jeremy, you talk about uh, Bosa.
0: Yeah. Calais Campbell was a player that I even wrote an article about before the Jaguars signed him. I said that he would be the perfect fit to play the edge here in Detroit. And not only did he last year have an incredible season, but even the season before that he was transformative. I mean, you want to talk about why that Jacksonville Jaguars defense took such a huge leap. Yes. They have players like Jalen Ramsey. Um, they have players like, um, you know, uh, Telvin Smith, right. They, I, they got, they got tons of players on that Jacksonville Jaguars defense, but adding Clay Campbell was just the absolute cherry on top. And last season, I mean, Literally, according to PFF, not a better run defender. Uh, he also had 11 sacks to boot, 31 hurries. Uh, just a phenomenal player. The quintessential locker room guy too. So it seems like he really does a great job of of bringing, bringing that defense together. So, uh, Clayus Campbell, I think. I mean, personally, I think he's kind of low on this list. I had him all the way up at number five, but just a phenomenal player.
3: And with and Joey Bosa, yeah, Bosa. Young guy, still twenty three, is about to turn twenty four. Had ten and a half sacks. Remember that rookie year where he held out for the first four games and then immediately blew everything up, like he had just been, you know, just kicking it back. Just like, oh yeah, I know I'm going to kick this league's ass once once I finally get here. And he did. Uh, Ten and a half sacks in in a shortened season. Twelve and a half the next year. Obviously, injury shortened his his season last year. But uh, I mean, this guy is is electric. He's he's the Sean Merriman of of the the new era chargers. And I, I think he's just a fantastic player. Um, 88.8 PFF grade in 2017 when he last had a full season. I mean, I'm glad the lines aren't in the AFC and have to face a guy like Joey Bosa very often.
1: All right. Number five, we've jumped up to number five. Now, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, pretty much in the prime of his career right now. He's 27. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you can say about him and the boy cows, but I mean.
3: (laughs) The thing with Demarcus Lawrence is like, he just exploded out of the scene and out of nowhere. He came out of nowhere, man. Because 2017, he had the breakout season, 14 and a half sacks. I wasn't quite convinced of him yet. He had that one game and I think he went up against Eric Flowers and had like, what was it, like six or seven sacks in that game alone? That's not hard to do about it against Eric Flowers. True, (laughs) true. But it, I mean, just the fact that he did, you're just like, OK, is this for real? Is this just like a opportunist guy? Um, and and he proved it last year and ten and a half sacks. I think he was PFS number nine graded guy. Um, he, he proved to me he's 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 a top 10, if not top five edge rusher in this league.
1: And I I feel like now he's I, I worry that maybe it was a contract year for him because like he just got slapped with the franchise tag and now he's been signed to a five year, 105 million dollar contract. I, I'm sorry. We should only read the guaranteed money. He's got 65 million guaranteed. He can make another 40 million on the rest of that contract. Uh, he's getting paid like a top edge rusher now. <laughs> like he's gonna he's gonna either prove it or he's gonna rest on it. I don't I think he's he's hungry enough, he will just keep balling out though. So upward mobility for Demarcus Lawrence, number four. Well, let's go back to Ryan here on this one. Miles Garrett from yeah. your Cleveland Browns. The your oh. Cleveland Browns,
0: <laughs> formerly of my, uh, <laughs> of my Cleveland Browns, formerly. Uh, yeah, this is a guy I think where we're doing a little bit of uh, projection. I think. I mean, that's you, fine. I mean, we're yeah, trying yeah. to guess for
1: twenty nineteen,
0: right? And you know, we're talking about players in a vacuum as a reminder to everybody you know we're we're talking about which players pluck them out of whichever team they're playing on put them on a generic team who's going to be the best player and miles garrett was a dude who for some reason had a bunch of like critics and skeptics after his first season i remember on when i still had snapchat nfl.com had some kind of list on snapchat of the top like disappointing number one picks miles garrett was like in the top 3 and i was
3: just except for one season when you get seven sacks Jeez. yeah just because was that
1: just what
0: was that just what we were doing with the browns at the time it might have been but i mean let's talk about last season last season he plays 16 games there's only one player who plays more snaps than him in the entire league as, as an edge defender and that's d ford he plays over a thousand snaps he has 15 sacks Sixteen quarterback hits, you know uh the, the guy was just uber productive last year, you know, I think if you the the more the more talent you get around him the the less that you can focus on him being uh the guy that you need to stop, but i mean take it back to even last year, like I just said, fifteen sacks, and he was he was definitely the focal point of every opposing offense saying like, how are we going to keep this guy from touching our quarterback, and teams just couldn't do it so Miles Garrett, just a phenomenal player, both as a pass rusher and as a run defender.
1: All right, we got to get through these last three real quick. We're way over time, but uh, let's see here. Number three, J.J. Watt. How the hell did he get on here? Are you guys doing something here? Are you no giving route. pity to this man? You just hate him for no real reason. I, I, I don't think he's, he's going to play two games and get hurt again.
3: He played all 16 last year and had 16 sacks, dude. Cool. First-timers luck. <laughs> the, first, first, the first five seasons of his career he didn't miss a single game but two no. two seasons in the middle that's that's who he is according lame. to you lame yeah, you just you think he's lame year. and that's fine he probably is a lame dude but he's a hell of a football player
0: he was number I three know. on my list was he on your list jeremy
3: my top four matched the top four of the the master list so he was also my number three
0: perfect yeah dude he had 17 sacks last season Nobody okay. had sex in JJ white last year. And I
1: know not force fumbles. fumbles. I just don't think he can do it for another season.
2: <laughs> Based on what
1: the guy, on my gut.
2: <laughs> the guy, like, didn't
0: have a back before this past season. <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm being, I'm, I'm playing a role here. No, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Like real, real talk. It's amazing. The kind of, you know, his story about how he's been able to get back onto the field. I don't think like, a lot of other players would have the amount of chances he's been given to get back onto the field but like good for him he's really he's really kind of turned it around and he's kicking butt out there so like i think he is deserving on this list even though he's just not one of my favorite people in the world
0: okay that's a very good distinction to make number 2 on our list
1: von miller still holding strong man Hell yeah! The el- now the elder statesman of this list. And I, I almost like dropped him down. Cause I'm like, how many more years can he keep doing what he did, what he does. And I am worried about this season, but like, yeah, you guys explain, explain Von Miller.
0: Could, could, could there be any better of a pure pass rusher in the league? Jeremy?
3: Uh, probably not. I mean, five straight years of at least 10 and a half sacks last year was actually one of his better years, 14 and a half T- 2012. Was his his previous best at eighteen and a half, but yeah, I mean, there there is an age concern, but until I see any sort of like decrease on the on on the page on the film, uh, I'm not I'm not counting Von Miller out. That dude is so much fun to watch. He's fun to watch in commercials too. <laughs> He's definitely a better personality than J.J. Watt. Maybe that's why I had him above him. <laughs> and number one, we all saw this coming. Uh, who he didn't? didn't? The Oakland Raiders, Khalil Mack. (laughs) You're a little late there, buddy.
0: I'm still Wait, what? I'm so (laughs) I'm so chapped about this still. Like I just cannot believe that that the Raiders like just gave Khalil Mack away for nothing.
3: What is there a worse team he could have gone to? No. Like Packers? Would the Packers have been worse? No, no, because No, I can
1: respect that if he goes to the Packers. I can't respect it on the Bears.
0: I can't either. Like, go ahead and go to the Vikings. You know what I mean? And just turn that defense into purple people eaters, like, grande. You know what I mean? <laughs> just do not go to Chicago where, like, I have, I have this, this automatic inclination to just despise him, but I know that he's so, <laughs> like, I could appreciate him in Green Bay, or I could appreciate him in Minnesota. As a part of the Chicago Bears,
3: I'm hardwired to hate you.
1: <laughs> he's a villain.
3: I mean it, it says something to how good he is that he was the first place vote on nine out of ten ballots. What would
1: what would chap you more? Lions Von Miller, it. what would chap you more? Von Miller, I mean sorry, not Von Miller, my brain's frying. Khalil Mack going out there and bawling out this year, including just demolishing the Lions one maybe two times. Or Khalil Mack turning out to be a complete bust and John Gruden completely vindicated in Oakland in Oakland cum las vegas for getting for for dumping him off on the bears
0: i would rather that i would rather cleo Mack just like <laughs> wear his jersey on stafford for both the games than to
3: have he's <laughs> vindicated in anything what <laughs> i oh, would man. love i love to live in bizarro nfl where john gruden is the smartest guy in the league that'd be hilarious i we mean could- if we're living in the bizarro <laughs> nfl what does that mean about the lions no, those the North know, champs. Even, in, even in Bizarro,
1: even in Bizarro NFL, the Lions still are crap.
3: Shut Shut up. Up. They're mutually exclusive. John Gruden
0: wins and the Lions keep losing like that. Like, <laughs> no, nope. I, I don't think the paradigm can shift that. Listen,
1: <laughs> some things just don't change in the mirror universe, man. You can get a goatee and all, but some things just don't change.
2: That's our words. list.
1: That's our list cast. Uh, we will post these with the post on pride of Detroit.com individual ballots are we gonna do them for everyone or just for the uh for the pod pod casters here no we're
3: we're putting everyone on blast so you can see hamza's manzors everybody's is gonna be out there
1: if we get enough complaints we will have that person on next week to defend their picks (laughs) and maybe guest pick on uh some of these other list casts but we should break for the for the mailbag this was really good i like this good stuff
3: except for the, the very very end where you guys were mean
1: I for for the record, as as the bumper music plays, I'm a fan of John Gruden levitating. I want to see him levitate. Melt.
3: Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my
2: tail. When it comes, I want to wail.
1: Mail! time. Hashtag AskPOD. As always, to get your questions in, we take questions at any point when you post them to Twitter. You can also use them when Jeremy posts up the AskPOD threads and articles on prideofdetroit.com. But we appreciate, especially if you can get them through Twitter, because A, we all live on Twitter. It is our home. It is our hell site. We can't escape it. We have been banished to the seventh ring. Brush up on your Dante. Um, and just we can, we can save him there. We can go back and find him. And all overflow is now being done by Jeremy here. So if you send us more of a technical question that we are too stupid to handle, which happens a lot, Jeremy will be your front man for getting those, those technical nitty gritty beat writer questions.
3: Yep, those will usually land either on Wednesday or Thursday on PrideDetroit.com. So check it out there if you don't hear your question answered here. First question here from Bud Dog. Did you guys decide to do the tight
1: end list cast only because Ryan was gone and you didn't want to bring him bringing up the Hunter Henry fiasco?
0: Oh, how convenient that was as I listened to it on Get <laughs> Detroit and Jeremy tried to
3: yeah, I mean we we didn't want to embarrass Ryan by bringing him up, bringing up uh, when he was on that episode, since he's the, yeah. obviously the one that made that mistake.
2: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Totally.
1: <laughs> Good God, man! I can't. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like that was us in prime form.
0: I just I, I i bit my tongue when the first person said it, and then when the second person said it, I was like, I got no
1: <laughs> Really, you're to blame because you didn't catch us right away. If you think about it.
2: I I caught both of you. It's just I wanted to see if I could get both of you in my trap. Mm,
3: You're the worst. Uh, He is
2: the worst. Thank you.
1: When are you coming out to Vegas, man? To LA. Let's do it. Let's get some Okonomiyaki.
0: Uh, You're calling me the worst, but you're asking for the worst version of myself if you want me to be out there. That's
1: that's (laughs) how I live my life, baby. That's how I live my life. Uh, Next question here. I like this question a lot. Thank you, Critical Perspective. You are one of our... Uh, repeat mailbaggers who give us some of the best questions here. What sporting event did you not see live that you wish you had all time? Yeah. 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 Let's go all time. Like a sporting event that you missed part. Let's just say part of, or all of. So I have an answer. I want to hear what you guys have first.
3: I don't, I don't have a specific answer. One thing that I've always wanted to be a part of is a no hitter. And I know I bag on baseball all the time but no a no hitter is just like something that's so rare not no, the
1: uh, game you got to go for the perfect game well
3: either one either one yeah. i'm not greedy here um just like the intensity as like you I, you can sense it from watching at home just like the intensity the silent intensity of of the crowd because you, you can't really talk about it there's all that superstition about not talking about it but you know as every subsequent out happens everyone gets a little bit louder and a little bit louder and and that's just something I've never really experienced. But being being a part of a crowd for one of those seems very interesting. Even if it doesn't happen in the end, I would love to just be there. A, a no-hitter going in like to the seventh and beyond would, would be pretty exciting for me.
0: I will say that the allure of either a no-hitter or a perfect game is wild, right? Because yeah. I, I, you, get, you get ESPN alerts when it's like, oh, this pitcher hasn't given up a hit in seven innings. It's like, hey, he's still got two to go. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, there's still an awful lot of baseball left to go if you're talking about, like, the length of the game, right? Uh, I think for me personally, if I could have been anywhere, does it have to be a sporting event, or could I be the passenger in OJ's Bronco?
2: <laughs>
1: what? I, I will accept that answer. <laughs> what?
0: I, am I
1: Jesus Christ, man. He's Shout out to OJ back on Twitter
0: no no don't shut like that's like <laughs> hey, shout <out> Marvin harrison
1: <laughs> okay. no 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 this podcast yeah. is over now oh man Did we right. get tickets? am i am i the only one who's actually has a re- actual sporting event here okay um,
0: <laughs> baseball's not a sporting no, event? no no
1: no no i mean like a specific oh. one i have a specific one for critical perspective okay an actual event that happened so i think i've said it before I'm a huge college football fan, maybe more of a college football fan than I am of the NFL. I know, blasphemy, whatever. I like it. It's, it's a, just a blitz of, of football in your face every Saturday, and I just absolutely love eating it up, or at least I used to when I could watch like 15 hours of it. Um, in a year where I was watching a lot of college football, I missed the kick six in the Alabama-Auburn 2013 Iron Bowl.
0: That's a bummer. I was in front of a television when that happened.
1: I so here's what happened. (laughs) What had happened was, like, I was so tired of Alabama football that year. They were the villain. You know, Spencer Hall wrote a great piece for SB Nation talking about just how depressing it was to watch early teens Alabama football. That AJ McCarron machine that would just grind over everyone very slowly, very very slowly, and very boring. And they went up. I think like what was it? Ryan, like two, three scores on Auburn in the third quarter. And I, at that point I was like, no, it was when AJ McCarron threw like the 99 yard touchdown pass. And that's when I was like, all right, ball game. It's over. I've seen this play before. I don't need to watch this again. And I turned off the movie. I mean, it turned off the game and I ordered pizza. What I did not see happen was Auburn making a wild comeback to tie the game. And yeah, <laughs> so I was in the car going to go pick up the pizza. And for some reason I was living in Savannah, Georgia at the time. And for whatever reason or another, we got the Alabama football radio network on the local CBS sports radio affiliate, you know, heart of Georgia. We should be getting like Georgia football, Georgia Southern, whatever. We're getting Alabama football instead. said, uh, um, oh man, what's his name? Legendary voice, Alabama. I'm gonna look this up real quick. I'm sorry. This uh this is terrible here.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Who's their play-by-play guy? Does anyone know here? Am no. I getting too southern? Yep. Okay, never mind then. I'll I'll look him up later. But either way, like if you've listened to an Alabama football game, the guy, the guy's voice is very soothing. Not really very uh like you can't really tell what's going on, and I was so out of it. And I was um not inebriated, but um What's the right word?
2: Intoxicated? I wasn't, pay-
1: I wasn't no, not intoxicated. Oh. No, I was I was driving. I was driving. I'm smarter than oh. that. <clears> oh, <throat> sorry. Like, but I, like, I, I just wasn't paying attention. And he was just, became white noise in the background. And I get out and I go in to go pick up the pizza. And they have a TV on in there. And all I see is Jordan is like the maniacs at Jordan Hare storming over the hedges, mobbing the field, <laughs> mobbing. Mobbing, uh, it wasn't Lewis. Um, who was it?
2: Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, wh- whoever
1: took, took the, b- the ball back all the way, you know, 100, 100 plus yards. Like, all the way back, everyone's storming onto the field I'm like, what the hell happened? And then they show the replay, and I'm like, holy hell. I missed a once-in-a-lifetime play. I missed probably one of the greatest ends to a college football game. I know Jeremy Poo-Poo's the kick six every now and then. I'm not going to him have it here. I uh, don't. Oh, no. What? <laughs> but, but like it was it was one of the greatest things and I completely missed it. And wow. as I'm sitting there internalizing that information, a second piece of information enters my head. Oh, crap. The woman who runs this pizza joint is a massive Alabama fan. <laughs> She's in the back pissed and I'm not going to get my pizza for another five minutes until she calms
2: down. That's, That's good, my story.
3: As far as I'm concerned, the kick six is the best turnover special teams play that has ever ended a college football game ever. Maybe the only one I can't think of another. <laughs> I know what you're doing there. I know what you're
1: doing there. I'm not going to let you, but people uh, know
0: as a, as a real quick aside, like obviously miracle on ice that definitely ranks up there, but Texas USC. you you' like game a zygote
1: game. when miracle on ice happened.
0: Yeah. I, you said of all time, but like oh, okay. Texas USC, I wish I could have been there. Like that's maybe, Ooh,
3: a, yeah, that's a good one. Like
0: a single fourth and five Vince young touchdown mm-hmm. dude, like rushed for 200 yards and threw for 200 yards. Maybe the single greatest performance in a national championship game of all time. Like that would have been something to see.
1: This is really good. I want people in the comments. If you're listening to this, go over to pride of Detroit.com or at pride of Detroit on Twitter. Let us know like, I like criticals questions so much. Let us know, like, what is the one sporting event that you like just completely missed?
2: Tanya Harding going after Nancy Kerrigan. <laughs> the room.
3: He's <laughs> These
2: are all pivotal moments in Americana.
3: Are you just like, have you been on a thirty for thirty binge and you're just like watching the OJ and Tanya Harding episodes over and over again? Dude, Why? he's. Been- <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's going to come back next week and he's going to be talking about Kobayashi and, and, Ch- and Joey Chestnut. It's oh, going to be great.
0: Very topical.
1: Very, very topical. Alright, let's get another question here. Um, okay, here we go. People going after me again. Chim Richels, we always take these. Chris, how did you end up becoming the host of the, for, for the Pride of Detroit POD cast?
0: Very carefully.
1: Thank
2: you. <laughs> you know the game. Two. No, I I, I'm not going to say it. Jeremy, you want to explain it?
3: I mean, Chris came from a radio background and uh, he was the person to come to me. It's like, hey, Pride of Detroit needs a podcast. I'm like, damn it. You're right. Go for it. Do it. Do it up. And originally, I wasn't even supposed to really be part of it. I'm just like, was, that's a like great me. idea. Like, I'm not sure I have time for it. I'm weighing him over in my head. I just started as managing editor. Do what you want. I trust you. Go for it.
1: Yeah, we all got thrown into this together because Sean had stepped out like just as Jeremy comes up, and he had just brought like nearly everyone who's on the staff right now was brought on when by Sean in his last month. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, I've been doing some radio before, and I've been doing like my own college football podcast, which I really want to restart at some point. And I still have my friends like Hunter and Ross on every now and then. Like, I think last year we did that reminiscing on the Valenti make plays rant. <laughs> uh, that's that's basically what we did on the old podcast. And yeah, I think what was our Ryan? Were you on that first episode, or was Alex? It was one of the two of you, and then someone who was around. Name
3: for a third time? No, damn it!
0: He's gonna appear, and I'm super mad at you. I'm very pissed. But I was on the inaugural episode. You were,
1: and then like
0: like, the third person was. It was
1: someone who was with Pod for like all of one month before vanishing.
0: Yeah, uh, he was
1: like hired on as a second like news
0: writer. Yep, and it wasn't Tom Key. I don't think Tom- No,
1: it wasn't Tomkey. Tomkey's never been
3: on this podcast.
0: Uh, shout out Tomkey. Took care Shout of out
3: bud. We miss you.
0: Yeah, took care of me in Chicago. But yep, I was on the inaugural episode of the resurrection of the
2: P.O.D. cast.
1: No, oh, the first ever POD cast. It was just a Pride of Detroit podcast before I stylized it.
2: Okay. Wow. Wham
1: bam. <laughs> New at New Zealand Lying. L- <laughs> I can speak. It's getting really hot here, but I can speak. At New Zealand Lion, how come in American sport the winning team is, by the way, very, very Aussie to be, um, sorry, not Aussie. Damn, that's wow, that's offensive. Very so Kiwi, very, very Anglican to call it sport and not sports, but how come in American sport the winning team is called the world champions when you've only played in domestic league and won?
0: Uh, because obviously USA number one, USA best, USA trumps all nations in well i
1: mean when to come it comes to, i mean when it comes down to it there's like only th- what three major sports that are played in multiple domestic big leagues out there you got cricket rugby and association football or soccer um and then of course all the olympic sports but i mean maybe you could say that about baseball but the only real country that plays baseball to a high clip would be something like uh Japan and parts of the Caribbean. And like, you know, MLB teams usually snap up those players. It's not like they have domestic leagues that can compete. I know NPB is big for in Japan, but, you know, they don't like their best players still come to America. There's not like, and it, they have very different styles over there. And guys who are kind of between AAA and the majors usually go over to Japan. So, I mean, yeah. but for the other sports, American football, for basketball, for hockey, mm-hmm. You're welcome to have another league try.
0: You really are. I've always found this weird too. So you're definitely not the only person who's ever known this. And I, or the only person is the
1: NFL champion supposed to play the German football league or something? Like they'll they'll kill them. They will literally kill them.
0: The NFL clearly has like a, 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 a stake to claim for sure. But when it comes to basketball, I think just being a product of the, of the, uh, of the, uh, oh, dream team you know, in, in 2004, I, or was it 2000? Yeah, it was 2000. Yeah. When they, when they lost in the gold medal game. Yeah. 2000 or 2004 when they lost to Argentina. Yeah. Either, uh, way. yeah. either way. I mean, when, when that happened, it was like, Oh, Hey, maybe the NBA doesn't always have the best talent,
1: but they also weren't sending a lot of their biggest stars at that point. too. there were a lot of stars who were like, yeah, I'm not going to the Olympics. And I think that kicked a lot of people in the balls and told them, hey, you got to get back over here. And then suddenly, you know, by the time of London, suddenly you have LeBron James going out there and balling out.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: I mean, there's that. I, I, think, I think eventually basketball, the way it is growing internationally, it, it will reach a point where I think NBA is going to be pressed to call itself world champions. But still, uh, there's, it's not going to be like UEFA or CONCACAF or any of these other like league you know, region organizations across the world. It's still that the NBA is still going to draw in all the best talent globally to their, to their rosters. Like maybe you could say that about hockey, but hockey, the NHL is already kind of a product of teams in two different countries. And and I don't think the KHL is that good enough to really compete against the, uh, the champions, especially since it's two different styles, hockey being played there too, right?
2: It's Olympic rank versus NHL ranks.
3: I don't know, they have Datsuk, so I think the KHL
2: is probably better. Stop it. Stop it. All right. Let's take um one or two
1: more questions here. Mike GM asking us at Armchair Boom
2: 3. What is your prediction for week 1?
3: Oh man. I I'm so far of like actually thinking about that week 1 matchup because I feel like it can go so many different directions, right? Like it could, it could go similarly to last year. It could go similarly to like rookie quarterback, brand new offense, brand new head coach, who knows what the hell to expect from the Cardinals this year and Cliff Kingsbury that that team is either going to score like 50 points in week one or zero. And I'm not sure which one it's going to be.
2: Prediction pain.
1: I don't have much else to add to that. I, I think we, we are going to talk about week one in depth a little bit more here. Um, yeah, the the Cardinals are a hard thing to read, but I am always spooked by the I'm, I'm spooked now of the bad juju of the Lions playing like a brand new quarterback on week one. It seems to be uh, in for some interesting times. So we'll see. We will absolutely bad see. It's also on the road. It's It's also on the road to start the game, which is never a good sign, but. I don't know, we'll see. I'm sorry, we didn't really answer the question. Uh next question here from Bushwood C, behind Bobby Lane, what is the greatest free agent or trade transaction in Detroit Lions history?
2: Hmm.
3: This is going to be a tough. I feel like this, whatever this we to- answer is is we're going to get yelled up by old people and i don't know if old people even yeah, the exactly. podcast. anyways because <laughs> i feel like i can only answer from like 95 beyond i can only answer from like 2004
1: beyond <laughs> like this is this is again the problem is that i hate to say the lions ain't got no history but like there's that nugget in the 90s then it's just immediately annihilated by the aughts and then everything before the like the mid early 90s is just kind of a morass of like some really cool artifacts like like all the ties with Motown, but nothing really to write home about from on the field play, except for maybe, of course, Billy Sims. I'm
3: going gonna, I'm gonna to name my top five in, in just random order. Ready? Okay, go for it. Dre Bly, uh,
2: Glover Quinn, Golden Tate, Damon Harrison, and Trading Away Roy Williams. Trading Away Roy Williams? Mm-hmm. Okay. These are really sad
1: answers. I'm not going to lie. Those aren't sad answers. I mean, they're they're not bad, but they're not like, you know, when we think about all time, like, you know, for some other organization might be the guy who, like, completely changes the history for your franchise. Or, like, you know, we're talking about, you know, the Cowboys trading away Herschel Walker for for the great trade robbery. Or it's getting, like, you know, Nick Young, um, Steve Young or something. Yeah, but,
3: I mean, you just named... Two 30-plus-year-old
1: transactions. I know, but I still, those are like pieces from history I can remember. I, I'm saying I can't think of anything like that from the Lions, except for going back to what he mentioned, Bobby Lane. Right. And that's, that's kind of the, what, what we're looking at here. And again, like, yeah, this is where the old people are going to come in and yell at us. Ryan, do you have an answer for this one?
2: What? Okay. Last question here. Alex Sigel, Siegel,
1: whatever. He's insulting me here, so I'm not gonna say his name right. Uh, over under five times the amount of times Jeremy and Ryan roll their eyes when Chris goes on a 10 minute rant.
2: Be honest, guys. Over or under. Four and a half. How are you gonna ask,
3: ask us that question at the end of the podcast when we've already rolled our eyes?
2: My
0: eyes are in my back of my skull right now. <laughs>
3: Thank you for listening to the
1: Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Brian Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I Am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff, he's been great. He gave us Victory Monday, so go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side.
0: More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder.